Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Go to Effortless EnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Can you hear the children screaming and playing? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at a different location today at a mall area. And they have pools, little pool, well, not super little, fairly big plastic pools set up outside the mall in this big area. And a water slide. So lots and lots and lots of little kids playing in the water and yelling and screaming. And they're also going down the water slides and jumping around and generally acting crazy. Which is what children do. <laughs> They're funny. Funny, funny, funny. Okay, I'm going to move a little bit because those kids are loud. Today's temperature. Let's review our Fahrenheit temperature. Remember, Fahrenheit is the system used in the United States to measure temperature. Fahrenheit. And I know that for some of you, many of you, it's confusing. You're used to Celsius. I used to have the same problem when traveling, the opposite problem, right? Like the temperatures would be in Celsius when I looked for the weather, the coming, upcoming weather. And I would say, well, I don't know, is 40 hot? Of course, it's very hot in Celsius, but not in Fahrenheit. So today is 87. If you remember our lessons about Fahrenheit, 87 is hot, but not super hot. I remember 80s. In the generally, any temperature in the 80s is is hot, very warm to hot. Any temperature in the 80s, you can wear shorts, t-shirt. <laughs> And as you get to the upper 80s, like today, 87, it's definitely hot. It's summer weather. 80s, any temperature in the 80s is summer weather. But it's not super hot. Right? That's 90s. So in Japan, we've had 90s. Really, we've had over 95, like 98, 99, over 100 some days. That's super hot. For Celsius, that's around 40 or and above. Temperatures in the 90s, I'll give you a, a comparison. Most days since July, when the temperatures are above 90, 95, 98, even a, we had a few days over 100, which is super hot. On those days, when I would walk, walk from the coffee shop to my house or house to coffee shop, in maybe five minutes, I would be sweating like crazy, pouring sweat. And when I arrived home, my shirt would be completely wet from sweating. 
Now, by comparison, today I walked from my home over here to the mall, about a 30-minute walk. Ah, I might have sweated a little bit, but not pouring sweat. My shirt wasn't wet when I got here. So it's it's a significant difference. It still feels still feels hot. I mean, the kids are splashing in the water and playing in the pool. So it's still summer weather, but it's 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 quite a difference actually. <laughs> much 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 more pleasant in the 80s than the 90s. And really, the 70s and 80s, as I've said before about Fahrenheit, the 70s and 80s is sort of the magic zone of weather temperature. It's really that perfect zone. 80s is a little more on the hot side. And 70s is... Oh, 70s really is perfect. Any temperature in the 70s is perfect. You can still wear shorts and a t-shirt, but it doesn't feel... It doesn't really feel hot at all. It just feels... You know, warm, but not cold and not hot. It's perfect. Those 70s temperatures. That 80s, though, also quite good. Another comparison I'll give you for weather. So, so Hawaii. In all the places I have traveled and lived, Hawaii has the most perfect weather. Perfect weather in Hawaii. All year. It is a paradise. It is a tropical paradise. <laughs> and it's because the temperatures in Hawaii are always in the 70s and 80s. Always in the 70s and 80s. Hot days, you know, during the, you know, the, the, the middle of the day when it's kind of hot, especially if you're on a, a, a part of an island where it's hot, more hot. Maybe it's upper 80s, like today, 87, 88, maybe 90, something like that. Almost never over 90. And then on cooler days or in the evenings, in the mornings, it'll be 70s. Just, it's wonderful. (laughs) My wife loves it. She wishes she could live there all the time. I do too. The only reason we don't live there is we don't have family there. We don't have family or close friends there. And also, another reason is it's very expensive. But in, but, but if we didn't care about those things, that would be the place to live because it is just perfect, perfect, perfect weather. And of course, it's beautiful. Uh, Hawaii is wonderful. Hawaii has four main islands. If you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a tour guide for Hawaii for a few minutes here. I, I should get a. They should pay me a little money. Those, the Hawaiian tourist board. <laughs> okay, so a little information about Hawaii. Hawaii was, I think, is it the last state? I, I remember I talked about this before, and I, I was also confused. I believe it was the fiftieth state, the very last state to join the United States. And the reason I'm not 100% sure, because Alaska, it was Alaska and Hawaii were the last two. I, sometimes I get confused which one was 49 and which one was 50. I think Hawaii was number 50. So it was the very last one to join the United States. And 
when we say Hawaii, the state of Hawaii actually includes uh, several islands. The Hawaiian Islands. It's really the Hawaiian Islands with an S. Hawaiian Islands. There are four main ones, four main islands where you know a decent, a good number of people live. But there are also a few other minor islands too, where just a few people live, and and some islands where no one lives. I'm not going to talk about those. I'll just talk about the four main islands, the ones most people visit, that where most people live. I'll go in order of uh, geography. So first is Hawaii. There actually, the, it's there is an island named Hawaii, and this is also gets confusing, right? Because all of the islands are called the Hawaiian Islands, but also the biggest island is called. Hawaii, that's its official name, Hawaii. And the state is called Hawaii. Why did they do this? I don't know. It's confusing. Because it's confusing, everyone who lives in Hawaii, all the people living in Hawaii, they don't say Hawaii. They don't call the big, the biggest island. They don't call it Hawaii in conversation. They always say the big island. It's always called the big island. The official name of the Big Island is Hawaii, but it's confusing because if you say Hawaii, nobody knows. Are you talking about the Big Island? Are you talking about the state? Are you talking about all of the islands? Because it's confusing, everybody always says the Big Island, the Big Island. Officially, it's called Hawaii, but unofficially in everyday conversation, everybody calls it the Big Island. The Big Island is the biggest island. Hey! Logical name. Or nickname. <laughs> the Big Island's kind of cool. It's the most wild. It's the newest island. For example, recently in the news, you probably heard about a volcano being active in Hawaii. Well, it's not all the islands. It's just one island. It's the Big Island. The Big Island has an active volcano. The other islands don't. It's a huge volcano. Big, big, big. Meaning, it's so tall that usually it's covered in clouds, the top. We visited for a week. We went to the Big Island uh, for a vacation. We never saw the top of it. We never saw it. It was always in the clouds. Well, we did. We saw it when we, we drove up to the top. So we saw it from our car, you know, when we drove up there. But we never, from the bottom, you know, from looking up, we could never see the whole volcano clearly because the top of it was always covered in clouds. When we drove over it, you know, you're basically, you're in the clouds or you're above the clouds. So that's cool. It's kind of a cool place. Then there's the island of Maui, our favorite. Maui's fantastic. Maui's the best. Everybody on Maui, that's the motto. People on Maui say Maui's the best. They believe Maui's the best island, and I agree. That's where we, uh, we lived there for a short time. Next comes Oahu. Oahu has the m- biggest population, with Honolulu being the big city. And then Kauai is the smallest of the inhabited islands. It's the most relaxed and mellow. 
All right, enough of Hawaii. I've talked about Hawaii before, but I love it, so why not? I'll talk about it again. Got a request on Twitter. For, actually, got, I asked a question on Twitter. My Twitter's AJ Hogue, A-J-H-O-G-E. And I just asked, hey, give me suggestions for topics to talk about. Got a lot of suggestions. So pick one from Twitter today. Talk about your summer, your your childhood. I thought, hey, I'll do that. Because I have wonderful memories about, especially about summertime. Summertime, my childhood. Summertime. When I was a kid, we had a nice long summer break from school. Sweet freedom from the prison of school. The whole summer off. The whole summer free to do whatever we wanted to do. How wonderful. And we just had a great time. America was different then. America was a much safer country then, a more unified country then, a more free country then. You know, it's the country of American propaganda. Well, it was like that back when I was a kid. So much freedom and so much safety because it was safe. As a kid, my parents let me just play outdoors all the time and all my little friends, I had this huge group of friends, eight, nine or something, friends all my same age, boys. And we lived in this nice neighborhood, middle class, typical middle class neighborhood. And it was so safe that parents would just say, go outside and play. And we would just stay outside and play all day long with no adults watching us at all all day as soon as I got up I would you know eat breakfast and then run outside and I would play and play and play and play all day long maybe I, when I got hungry we, I'd come home eat lunch and then run back outside and play some more and in the summertime when the days were long often I would come home and eat dinner and then go play even more And all my friends, we would just run around, we would explore the neighborhood and constantly just played games and sports together. So wonderful, magical really, a magical time. And what did we play? Well, (laughs) our most popular game, the thing we loved to do most was to play American football. Right, of course we just call it football. So we played football. We played two kinds of football. One kind was called two-hand touch, and the other kind was called tackle. I've mentioned this in a previous show. Two-hand touch is is less rough, (laughs) and instead of tackling, you just have to touch the other player with both hands, and then the player has to stop, right? Because in, in regular football, the regular rules of football there uh, somebody has the ball right one guy has the ball and he's running and the other team has to tackle him to stop him tackle basically means grab him and throw him to the ground or take him to the ground right somehow the official rule is that 
the runner's knees have to go to the ground. So as long as your knees are up, right? As long as you could have three guys on you and you're still trying to run. If one of if is it one or two knees? I think it's actually one knee. If a knee hits the ground, you're down and the play stops. So that's tackle. It's kind of and it can be quite rough. Even with kids without pads, it can still be kind of rough playing tackle. So there's another version of it. It's called two-hand touch. Instead of knocking the person to the ground and dragging them onto the ground, you just have to touch them with both hands. So two-hand touch, right? So if you just touch with one hand, it's not enough. They can keep running. So you have to get both hands on them at the same time. Touch both hands on any part of their body at the same time. It's called two-hand touch, and then they stop. It's... We played two-hand touch a lot in the street. So you can imagine in the street, you don't want to tackle because easy, very easy to get hurt. So a lot of times we would play two-hand touch, especially if we only had a few few of us. There are maybe just four of us or six of us. We would make two teams and we'd play two-hand touch in the street. But even though we were playing two-hand touch many, many times, we would fall down and get big cuts on our legs and elbows. And I've told this story before too, but I can remember one time jumping to catch a ball and, and jumping right into a parked car. Bam! <laughs> Just getting up and continuing to play. So lots and lots and lots of two-hand touch. We played that game all the time. Sometimes we played tackle football too, using the basic rules of football, where, we, of course, we'd play that on the grass. But our other big, super famous, super popular game was called Smear the Queer. Smear the Queer. I've mentioned this game. I did, I did a show about this where I described the rules, but the quick summary is that one, you throw the ball up in the air. Someone throws the ball up in the air. One person catches it. And then their job is to run and to run as long as they can. Everybody else, all of the other players, their job is to tackle the guy with the ball. So it's one guy against everyone else. And you just run and run and run and run and run as long as you can until you are tackled. And when you fall down, when they tackle you, then you throw the ball in the air. Someone else catches it. And then they run and run and run until everybody tackles them. That's it. That's the whole game. (laughs) Those are the only rules. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. We would play that game for hours. So much fun. Smear the Queer. What a great game. Obviously a game played by boys. What else do we play? I mentioned that sometimes in the summers, because the days were so long, and there was no school, didn't have to get up early the next day, that sometimes we would eat dinner and then still go play even after dinner. And I can remember there being kickball games at night. We would play under the streetlights. So the sun would be going down and we would play kickball in the street again. You know, in front of one of my friend's houses. So the parents could kind of look out and see what we were doing. But we'd play out there till 8, 9 o'clock at night. 
playing kickball. Kickball is kind of like baseball, but you kick the ball instead of hitting it with a stick. Another popular game was hide and go seek. That's a popular one everywhere in the world. Kakurembo is what the, they say in Japan. Hide and go seek. Popular game all around the world with kids. So there's one person who is it. Right. Sometimes the people have different names for the person, but we used to say one person is it. They're like the monster. And then everybody else hides. So the person who is it counts to some number and has to close their eyes, count to 20 or whatever, 50 or 10. And then all the other kids run and hide. And then, of course, the person who is it has to find everybody. Hide and go seek. So they look around and look around. This one can be played indoors or outdoors. Indoors, we would play in, in our houses. We would all hide all over the house, <laughs> search around. Outdoors, we would play, and sometimes we would play, and, and, and the person who was in would have to touch. You'd have to grab each person when you found them. And usually we played, the version we played, there would be a base. So if you're hiding... If the person who's it, you know, is, you know, maybe in a different part of the house, you could run and get to the base and then you'd be safe. We would, again, play this for hours and hours and hours. And I think this is just something, there's something kids love about hiding and looking for each other. Because my niece and nephew both play this game in, uh, in Japan too. It's like a little bit different versions, but it's the same basic idea. Another great activity we would do as kids in America, growing up, we would jump our bikes. We were little daredevils. I've talked about this before too, and I talked about Evil Knievel. We just had, had bikes, and we would build these big ramps and jump over things. <laughs> and the the point of the game really was to jump higher and higher and higher on our bikes. And of course, we had some huge crashes. It's kind of funny because now the mentality is so different with parents, and, and certainly in America, in Japan too. When my, my nephew is kind of a wild one, and when he does crazy stuff, my my wife and also my sister-in-law his mom they'll go oh my god oh, and they'll get all kind of worried and up and uh, i don't know if upsets the word but they get really worried because he's he's doing something crazy like trying to race his bike around or jumping f- off of a wall or something like that they think it's dangerous oh my god and then i just <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> the crazy stuff i did as a kid and i think ah don't worry about it <laughs> I think maybe that's the dad's job. The dad's job, the uncle's job, especially with boys, is to say, ah, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. I did worse when I was a kid. Right? Moms often are the overprotective ones, especially with boys. Oh my god, don't do it, it's dangerous, be careful. Okay, that's like that's their maybe that's their job to be protective. 
But of course, if if there's only the mom doing that all the time, then the then the boy becomes a wimp, right? He gets he, he's like he's in a little prison all the time. He's too he's overprotected, and that's that's not good at all. It's really terrible. And so we have the dad traditionally as the balance to that. The dad saying, "Ah, it's okay. Let him fight." <laughs> Let them wrestle. Let them jump off the wall. Let them crash their bikes. They'll be fine. <laughs> the dads, of course, remembering to their own childhood, like me, like, oh, well, I did far worse than that. It'll be okay. And I think that's uh, the balance, right? The, the dad encourages freedom and risk-taking and r- being rough and... Yeah, a little getting hurt a little bit can be good for them. Being rough, cuts and scrapes and things like that. Ah, it's okay, no big deal. It's good for them. They need that. Otherwise, they become weak. So this has been, when you think about it, I think it's just the natural, the natural balance. That's why moms and dads are both so important. Kids absolutely need both. They need a mom and they need a dad. And they need those traditional roles of the protector and the take care and the sweetness and all of that, which traditionally and mostly is the mom. Although, of course, dads can also be very sweet at times, too. And they also need, though, that that, that looseness, that freedom, that encouragement to to explore and to be rough and to, to try things and take some chances. Be a little tough. Which is the dad's traditional role. And I'm happy I had both of those and had the opportunity... To, to do both of those. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to, to do all those crazy things as a kid. <laughs> so that was that was childhood in America growing up and, the, and especially the summers. The summers were magical. I, remember, I still have this memory and this feeling of my childhood summers as being a very magical time because we were so free. So much freedom just amazing I feel so sorry for I really uh, in my gut and my heart I feel so bad for children now who are who are overprotected you've got adults watching them every second and anytime they do anything even just a tiny bit dangerous oh be careful stop that oh, and all the adults come running over oh my god it's horrible those poor kids, those poor, especially the boys, especially the boys. And of course, the boys get it in school, too. Schools in most places are run by women. And sorry, women, nothing wrong with having women teachers, but we need a balance. As I said, we need both. We need both. You need the mom and you need the dad. And then as teachers, too, you need the male, masculine approach, leadership, and the female. It's not that one's bad or one's good, or one's better, or one's worse, is that they both are necessary, and they're, they're designed to balance each other. So if you get too much of one, which is what we have in school systems, and especially the United States, where it's completely dominated by women and wimpy, wimpy, wimpy men, well, then what happens is the boys are getting destroyed. 
It's no surprise that they're giving all these drugs. I mean, it's just, uh, it's child abuse. Giving all these drugs to the boys in the schools in the United States. Why? Because they won't act like girls. Basically, because the boys refuse to act like girls. They don't want to be girls. They don't want to be wimps. They don't want to sit in their little desk all day long with no time to play, with no physical activity. They don't want to be wimps. They want to be rough. They want to take chances. They want to push and explore. They want to wrestle. They want to play rough games. They want to play guns and pretend to shoot each other. They want to pretend to fight. And when everybody running the school system has this female mentality and, oh my God, stop them. Oh my God, it's dangerous. Oh, violence. Ah." And just they squash them and they squash them and they say, oh, there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with these boys. There's something wrong. They they have attention, attention deficit disorder. They can't pay attention long enough. Give them some drugs. They're hyperactive, meaning they're too active. Give them drugs. No, they're not. No, they're boys. They're healthy boys with a huge amount of energy. They need to be running. They need to be wrestling. They need to be doing all of those things. They need to be rough. They need to get some bruises. Every day, I had bruises on my arms and legs. Every day. No, not from my parents beating me. (laughs) From me playing all these rough games. What I think about my childhood, I, I think almost every single day, there are very few days in my life as a child when my arms and my legs were completely, you know, clean. They always had a cut or a bruise or a scrape, something. <laughs> always. Because <laughs> I was always wrestling and playing these, you know, football and smear the queer and jumping off of things with my bike and crashing my bike and tackling my friends and them tackling me and running and doing crazy stupid stuff. (laughs) That's natural. They're abusing these boys. And I say boys because it happens most to the boys. It does happen to girls too, especially girls who are more active. They're trying to turn them into little wimpy robots because that's convenient for the teachers. It's convenient for the teachers if the students all just sit on their butt all day quietly. But it's child abuse. And drugging these kids is the worst kind of evil. So I say to you, if the school system is telling you that your child, boy or girl, it happens mostly to boys though, is has is hyperactive or whatever or has some problem and they want him they want him to give him counseling and special classes and drugs you take them out of the school and homeschool them are you crazy boys are not girls and all children all children boys or girls, they need a huge amount of physical activity. They are super, super, super energetic. Of course, they're hyperactive. Hyperactive meaning super active. Every child is hyperactive. Some maybe more than others, but every single child naturally has a huge amount of energy and needs to be moving around and running and playing and jumping and yelling and going crazy many hours of the day. 
yes, they need to learn self-control too. Yes, they need to have enough control to, to learn quietly and that's step by step, of course, but it is abuse. It is abuse. It is evil child abuse to try to prevent them and from being super active. I mean, just now when I walked through and I looked at the pool, were those kids just sitting calmly in the pool the way some 50-year-old might? No, they're all going crazy. They're jumping, they're splashing, they're running around, they're chasing each other, they're laughing, they're climbing up the slide, going the wrong way on the slide, they're wrestling with each other, they're throwing stuff. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's natural. They don't have any disorder. They don't have any mental problems. That's natural. Once again, this is why homeschooling is so great, because then, yeah, you teach your kids to, to have some self-control for a few hours a day, but you only need a few hours a day. With homeschooling, you're not wasting time with all the other kids who are doing things that, that, that are distracting with, with all of the you know, busy work and nonsense that the schools do, all the wasted time. You don't need any of that. You cut all that out, and if you're just focused on pure learning, just focus on reading and basic math for, for younger kids, that's all you need. Uh, you only need a few hours a day. So, okay, the kids have to stay still and be controlled for a few hours a day in their own home with their own mom or dad, brothers and sisters. You can even split that. You could do an hour and a half in, in the early morning and then have a play break, go crazy, yeah! and then have maybe a little lunch and then do another hour and a half and then you're done. Three hours. If you're efficient... And focused, three hours is all you need. And you can split it up into two blocks, hour and a half each. And then the rest of the day, your kids can be kids and they can do what's natural for them, which is to run and jump and play and explore. And with the boys especially, be rough. Take chances. That's what you do when you love your child. That's education that loves children. What we have in the schools is education that hates children and is hurting and abusing them, trying to turn them into little robots. Ugh, disgust me. Disgust me. So... Free your child. Free your children. Of course they're hyperactive. <laughs> they're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, I gotta wonder if the memory of that experience I had, especially in the summer, so much freedom, I, I think that affected me and inspired me as an adult to be an entrepreneur. Imagine it's connected. For independent learning as an adult, 
speak English fluently, speak English at an advanced level. Train yourself to think in English. So truly a master of spoken English. You join my VIP program. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Of course, when you do that, you get audio lessons. They're audio. You're learning with your ears. Yes, you do get text. There is a text guide, we call it. It's basically the transcript of everything I say in the lessons. The text is a supplement. It's a little addition. It helps you understand everything. That's all. So if you're confused, if, if you're listening, you're not sure what I said, and you, you want to look, then you can look at the text and use a dictionary if you need to. It helps you understand a little bit. The text helps, especially for maybe the first few days, maybe the first week even, when you get the new lessons. But then after that, you don't need the text anymore. Just focus on using the audios. Most of your time with the VIP lessons, with all of my lessons, in fact, should be spent listening. You want to focus mostly on listening. So you use the text as an addition just to help with understanding. You can listen and read at the same time. That's a good technique. But as you repeat more and more, as it becomes easier, put the text to the side and just listen, just listen. Get that audio repetition. Repetition is important, but it's especially important audio repetition, listening repetition. That's how you think in English and speak English fluently. It's that audio listening repetition that is so powerful. And of course, the lessons are designed for maximum repetition. Those mini stories, the point of view stories, the interactive lessons, they're all designed for a huge amount of repetition, audio repetition of common key important phrases, structures, meaning grammar, and vocabulary. And the great thing is you don't have to think about this as the VIP member. You just listen. That's all you have to do. I do everything else. I design everything else to teach you what you need, to train you. I design the repetition. I put it into the lessons. So everything's automatic for you. You just get the lessons and listen to them every day. That's all you have to do. Really simple. They're audio, so you listen while you walk. You listen while you drive. You listen when you're in the bus or the train. You listen while you cook. You listen while you do the dishes. You listen while you go shopping. Anywhere and everywhere, you listen to your VIP lessons, getting that huge amount of repetition. That's mastery. Mastery. Thinking in English. Fluent in English. An advanced level of spoken English. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join today my VIP program, EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. talking about the magic of freedom, that magical time of freedom, the summers as a child in America, a time when America itself was much safer and much more free. And in the summers, no school, just long, long summer days with my friends, 
so great, so magical. And perhaps that memory of that magical time, that wonderful time in my life, perhaps that was one of the motivations for becoming an entrepreneur for me. Because I got my first taste of working at a job at the age of, I think I was 16. 16 or 17, I can't remember. 16, I think. Worked at fast food place. And didn't like it. <laughs> so this sucks. <laughs> and from that point on, that was basically my feeling about every job I ever had after that. I worked another 22 years at different jobs. Many, many, many different jobs. Some sucked less than others, meaning some were less bad than others. I can't say that I loved any job. I can't think of even one job that I loved that I would do without needing the money. (laughs) And I had all kinds of jobs. So I had fast food type jobs. I had retail jobs, something like working in a bookstore, that kind of thing. I had a truck driving job. So I had what what are called blue collar jobs, more, mm, you know, like working with your body, driving trucks, that kind of thing. I had office jobs. Those are called white-collar jobs, often. And I had more professional jobs. And later, as I got older, I did work as a social worker. I had a a social worker career for a while. And then English teacher, of course, working in different kinds of schools. That was my last one. I enjoyed being an English teacher more than driving a truck or working in an office. However, still many problems. I've talked about the problems, right? As a teacher in a school, working as an employee in a job, wasn't free, right? It's still the same thing. the, The fundamental thing about jobs I always hated was the lack of freedom, right? I had the magical feeling of those summers working... Uh, it wasn't an issue then, of course. I was a little child, but but I was free from school. And school is kind of the same idea, right? With school, I had to go get up at a certain time. That you know, someone else was deciding every little bit of my schedule and forcing me to be in a room somewhere for hours and hours, listening to boring stuff, doing boring stuff that seemed meaningless and stupid and really easy. So summer's freedom! Well, as an adult, it's sort of the same thing. Being an entrepreneur is like always living in the summertime. Like it's always summer as an entrepreneur. It's always summertime. I'm always out of school. Working a job is like being stuck in school all day. And that's why every job, even my English teaching jobs that I generally 
thought were okay. Still, you know, I had to be on their schedule. I had to follow their way of teaching. As I learned to be a better teacher, then I was always fighting with my bosses because I wanted to try different things. They wanted me to use the same old grammar textbook approach. When I wanted to travel, then I had to negotiate and sometimes fight with my bosses about getting enough time off. Ugh, no freedom. As an entrepreneur, it's summertime all the time. If I want a vacation, I just leave. If I want to travel, I go. If I want to wake up late, I wake up late. If I want to wake up early, I wake up early. It's fantastic. (laughs) I tell you, it's fantastic. I love it. Freedom is fun. Freedom is fun. Can you remember back when you were a small child? I hope you had a free childhood like I did. I, I know everyone didn't. Some people did not, but I hope you did. And if so, remember that. Remember that wonderful time. Don't you want that again? That's what we are naturally as human beings. We're meant to be walking around free, not this modern slavery of our minds. Our ancestors walked free, just hunting and fishing and gathering food. They were free every single day. We like our modern technology, but we also still need the freedom. Freedom feeds your soul. Freedom feeds your spirit. Some of you ask me, Hi Jay, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my enthusiasm? How do I get my energy back? Freedom. See, see that slavery and the, the, the prison of jobs and schools slowly takes away your enthusiasm, your energy, your curiosity, all those things that make you feel so alive, so alive, the, that life is magical. Remember when you were a kid, life was magical. Well, freedom brings that back again. That's why it's important. It's not about some money, some dollar amount. It doesn't matter. It's not about having some expensive car, wearing jewelry or something. None of that's important. It's about the magic of being free. That magical feeling that makes you so happy, that makes you feel so alive when you are free every single day. Reconnects you with the magic that is life. For me, at least, that's the reason to be financially free. That's the reason. It's also the reason for homeschooling, in my opinion. Okay, moving on. Updates. My diet update. Still doing okay on the diet. I had a a bad day. Was it yesterday? Two days ago. Two days ago I had a bad day. A little bit high carbs. Uh, I mentioned before I was exhausted (laughs) from chasing my nephew around. And, you know, when you get tired, sometimes your, your mental strength goes down. Your willpower goes down. I cheated a little bit on the carbs. But yesterday... And today, back on it again. 
losing fat, starting to look good, starting to notice a difference now. My stomach fat is getting less, which is great. I'll keep you updated, but so far, the low-carb diet, doing well with that. Other updates. Q. What's up with Q? Nothing new from Q, as far as I know. I've been... I check in every day. Nothing new from Q. So, we got the big publicity about Q. Of course, negative. All the lying news attacking Q. And then now Q's kind of gone quiet. Probably just letting this negative publicity finish up for a while and then Q will be back soon I don't know maybe tonight I'll check every day so I'll update you each day on what's happening with Q but as far as I know nothing new yet from Q in the last few days InfoWars now InfoWars on the other hand as you know being censored all their podcasts were removed by the fag networks that's Facebook Apple and Google and also Spotify So the fags removed Alex Jones' InfoWars podcast. He still has an app, at least when I checked yesterday, he still had his apps. But CNN, lying evil scum of CNN, they're probably the most evil and the biggest liars, by the way. Never trust anything on CNN. They are the enemies of the people, the enemies of truth. They're horrible, bad people. And that's not just recently. I can remember all the way back, the Iraq Wars. They're the biggest cheerleaders for war. They're the biggest propagandists for war. Any war that the United States has had in my lifetime, as an adult at least, since they have been around, they have told lies upon lies upon lies. And... Huge numbers of people have been killed because of CNN's propaganda. So, CNN is absolutely evil. They have been from the beginning. Luckily, thankfully now, people are waking up to how evil they are, what big liars they are. Never trust CNN. When I see CNN playing in an airport, I want to kick the television. (laughs) All right, anyway... InfoWars. CNN's trying to get InfoWars app removed now. Now they want the apps all removed too. They want total censorship of InfoWars.com. So I recommend get their app now before they're deleted from the app stores. I don't know about Apple, but I know with, with Android that it's possible to get apps. You don't need the official app store. You don't need to buy, or it's a free app, but you don't need to download it from the official app store. Apple, I think maybe you have to. Apple controls their tech much more. And Apple's connected with, uh, has very strong connections to the uh, people who are doing the most censorship. They're really evil. But uh, with Android phones, it's a little bit better. Uh, Google, of course, is still evil, and they will probably remove the apps from their Google Play Store, but the good news is that you could probably still get the app on InfoWars.com for Android and just put it on your phone anyway. But anyway, get the apps now before they remove them, InfoWars, InfoWars apps, or just the the easy way to do it. You don't need an app for everything. I don't don't even understand why people always want apps if, if mobile websites work just as well. So now most websites are mobile friendly. You don't need a stinking app for everything. 
Just go to the website directly, Infowars.com. And right now is a fun time to do it. Alex Jones, the owner of Infowars, I told you he's he's an emotional guy, super passionate, and right now he is so angry and, and he's super, super, super passionate and he is fighting this censorship and it's kind of fun to watch. He's a, he's a great performer. Some people don't like it. They think he's too much. I think he's funny. I think it's it's real emotion he has. He's just a passionate, emotional guy, and he gets upset, and he gets... Uh, but he, he has a good heart, I believe. So anyway, check it out. You might... It might be difficult to understand Alex when he's really upset and emotional because he's talking so fast and ah! So you can also just go to Infowars.com, just read the articles. You, you read the text articles. If your English is a little bit lower, your listening ability, just reading is perfectly fine at Infowars.com. Well, there are updates about censorship in general, by the way. I'd like to mention a few more recommendations. Some old recommendations, again. I mentioned that, you know, none of this is new. It's just that these tech companies have so much power, now they're starting to do it. It's just like Animal Farm. Remember? In Animal Farm, the pigs in the very beginning, they didn't do everything in Chapter 1 or Chapter 2 right? No, they slowly got more power, more power, more power, and when they finally got enough power with the dogs, that's when they attacked, right? That's when they censored everybody, silenced everybody, all the other animals, chased away, snowball, attacked and killed lots and lots of the animals. This is what they do. This is what the communists do, the leftists do. They they lie and they pretend to be nice until they get enough power. And when they get that power, they do what we're seeing right now. They start with censorship. And if they get total power, they kill people. We're seeing this in Venezuela. We're seeing exactly, right? Same thing happening. It's, it's the same story every time. I just can't believe people still believe the lies. How can you still believe these lies? We have so many examples from history. Over a hundred years of examples. It always happens the same way. <laughs> George Orwell wrote the playbook. He showed us exactly how they do it with Animal Farm. And yet, somehow the people of Venezuela stupidly believed, oh, it'll be different this time. And now they're getting, well, maybe they're getting what they deserve in some ways for being so incredibly stupid as to believe that communist propaganda. Oh, this time communism will work. It'll be different this time. And of course, exactly the same. The whole country's collapsing. They're putting anybody who disagrees in prison. People are trying to escape the country because they're starving. It's a massive disaster. And that's what happens when they get full control. And that's why, even though I'm an English teacher, that's why I'm talking about this on my podcast, because these are psychopaths, okay? These are horrible people. They're liars. They're just like the pigs. And as we saw in Animal Farm, as we were doing the story and going through the book, I, got, I kept getting asked, how can we stop this? How do we prevent this from happening? And I said to those questions, you have to do it in the beginning, once they have power, it's too late. Once they have enough power, it's too late. And then they will use that power for first for censorship to silence everybody who would argue against them. And then once they do that, that's when the killing starts. Then they get full power. They have censored everybody. Then they start killing people. 
every single time. And this new kind of corporate communism, right? Silicon Valley communism, corporation communism, we could call it. It's no different. They're using the same plan. They're just using big companies combined with parts of the government. It's a little bit of a new strategy, but it's the same basic idea, the same... They're following the same plan that they always do. And, you know, I love my country. I love the United States. And America is so powerful that if it happens in America, it's going to be pushed everywhere in the world. It's also happening in Europe and throughout South America, all over the world. It's horrible, 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 horrible. So, yes, I'm going to speak out against it because I know what comes at the end. And I know that this is the only time we have to fight like crazy now. So, again, do I believe or like every single thing Alex Jones says? Of course I don't. At InfoWars, no. I don't 100% agree with anybody. Nobody 100% agrees with me. But I recognize that his freedom of speech is super important. I recognize that he is sincerely fighting against these kind of globalist corporate communists. The cabal, some people call it. The cabal. Like the communist mafia international. So, that's why I'm supporting Infowars.com and I hope you will too. But let's talk about someone else who wrote about all of this. Someone who is actually from the left, just like George Orwell. George Orwell was a socialist and then he saw the truth of what was happening. That's why he wrote 1984. That's why he wrote Animal Farm. Well, another person in that same category, Noam Chomsky. Many of you will be familiar with Noam Chomsky. Intellectual. He's leftist. He's left wing. Okay, this is not some right wing guy. Uh, Noam Chomsky is very leftist, <laughs> very left wing, but he has written some fantastic books showing with evidence, with proof, with documents how the government and corporations are working to destroy freedom of speech and to control everybody. He has a great book called Manufacturing Consent. Manufacturing Consent. It's about the media, the lying media, and how the lying media works with the CIA and the FBI in the United States and with other, others in other governments and how the media companies work with each other to, to lie, to censor and silence people they don't like, and to push the lies that they want people to believe. So Noam Chomsky, he's got a lot of good books, but that's a good one to start with. Manufacturing Consent, Noam Chomsky. So I don't, you know, in many ways, this is not about left or right or whatever. It, it's just about truth and freedom. Connected to this, I'm getting some questions on my Twitter about other choices for social media. Right? If we've got the, the evil fag networks plus Twitter are part of this cabal, this sort of communist corporate mafia, what can we do? It's hard because they've captured, they've captured control of our communication systems. And now we have the huge majority of people are now using these. So if we want to communicate, it's hard to find another 
another one. And also, the other problem is that when a small social media company starts, it's very hard for them to compete now. But if they do, if they grow and grow, for example, Instagram, if they grow and grow and grow and become popular, what happens is these big evil companies just buy them, right? Instagram was independent. They were growing and growing. Maybe they would have been more free. But instead, Facebook bought them, and now Facebook controls them. So this is the one of the big problems. This is how these monopolies or these uh, these companies now maintain incredible control. YouTube, YouTube was independent. It would have been independent and free speech. But guess what happens? Google just buys them. And now Google controls them and it's censorship, censorship, censorship. So this is the hard part. Right now we could go, I've been looking at different social media alternatives. I'm trying a few of them. Some of them not that great. <laughs> uh, there's one or two that look like they might be decent. But the problem is, what I keep thinking is, what happens if they get big enough, one of these other companies will probably just buy them. And then we get the same problem again. My solution right now is just I'm going to use these evil companies to get my message out about English learning and about homeschooling and about everything else I talk about. I'll use them as long as I can. Someday, you know, when, if they if they ban and block and censor Alex Jones and Infowars, they're going to do it to other people and then more people and then more people and then more and more and more and more and more and eventually they will get to people like me. I'm small, so I'm lower on their list, but eventually it'll happen. What can I do? I can either shut up and not tell the truth or I'll just tell the truth as long as I can and try to make plans for other alternatives so when the day comes, if, if the day comes, hopefully the day won't come if we fight now. If we fight now, maybe we can prevent this day from coming. But if the day does come and I get censored off of these platforms, off of these media... I will be on some of the alternatives. You'll just have to find me. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right now, the fight is with Infowars. But I'll get the point of this, though, is I'll give you an update on some of these alternatives. I, I don't think any of them are so great right now. There are a few that look okay. There's one called One Way. One Way, it's a little like of a Twitter type thing. Eh, maybe, maybe. There's one called Real Video. It's a YouTube alternative competitor. I'm looking at that. There's BitChute. BitChute has some problems. That's also a video site. I still, all my videos, all my new videos are uploaded to BitChute. So it's kind of a backup for me right now. I think BitChute has some major problems. Video is a big challenge because video loses money. YouTube would be out of business. They'd be bankrupt. Except Google pours money into YouTube because Google wants to control video. They want to control the voices of who gets to speak and who doesn't. That's why Google continues to lose large amounts of money with YouTube and they keep going anyway. So it's very hard to compete against YouTube because video loses money. So for someone to compete, they have to have a huge amount of money and be willing just to lose it not really a fair business practice. 
my worry with BitChute is that it will go bankrupt. That they, I, as far as I can see, I don't see how BitChute is making any money or not much. So I just don't see how can BitChute survive and grow. I, I don't see how it's going to happen. But anyway, as long as they're around, I'll keep putting my videos there as a backup. Real Video has is a new one. They might have a little bit more bit more of a chance. Real Video's owned by a guy named Mike Adams. Now, Mike Adams has a successful business. He runs Natural News, the website Natural News, which is a really great website, by the way, about health stuff, alternative health information, health information that the big media doesn't want you to know naturalnews.com and he got censored they removed his YouTube videos his whole channel they removed it they don't want people knowing about how to heal yourself alternative medicine herbs Chinese medicine all that kind of stuff Ayurvedic medicine they don't want you to know about that stuff so they censored his video channel he decided oh well I'm gonna just start my own video service it's called Real Video It's, it's a tough thing. I don't know if he'll be successful or not. I have a, a little more confidence with him because, as I said, he, as part of his website, Natural News, he did have, still does have, a successful business. He s sells nutritional products and other things like that. And he does it successfully, I believe. So he does understand business more. I'm hoping he'll be smarter with his video service. And make it profitable so that it can survive and grow and keep going and be a real alternative. I do know that Mike Adams is 100% committed, as far as I know, <laughs> he's committed to free speech. I, d I doubt he would sell to a big company like Facebook or Google because he really hates them. So that's a possibility. Real video. Have to wait and see. I contacted them for more information. If I can get an account, right now, everyone can't get an account. You have to apply, which is probably smart. It's probably smart for the business. That's a good sign, actually. He's, he, he can't just accept everybody right now because, again, it's too expensive. So he's just looking for certain channels right now. If I can get onto his site, I'll upload my videos there as a backup to YouTube also. So if YouTube removes me, we'll have a couple backups. I signed up for an account at one way as a, as a Twitter backup. Remember, I tried Gab for a while. Gab, see, this is the problem. So many of these alternatives, some of them, they just don't, they're not quite that good. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. And Gab was, ended up being a disaster because it got filled up with pornography and harassment. And they, they refused to create any rules. See, they overreacted. They decided, we're going to have no rules at all. Total free speech. Not only free political speech, but they also allowed horrible stuff. Like I said, I don't want to go on there and have to and see a bunch of pornography and that kind of... Uh, ugh, and, and harassment of people and uh, some, some really awful stuff. It was a big mistake. They made a huge mistake doing that. You, 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 there's a middle way of having allowing you know, free speech but without illegal 
horrible stuff like that. Nobody wants to go to a social media as a pornography site. Maybe one way is better alternative. We'll see. I'll let you know. What else is happening? I think my last point, coming back to the beginning again, about my childhood. One more point about that. I talked about how magical the freedom was. Another point that's magical. And I thought of it because I saw a news item today. It was on Infogalactic News. Just a little article about with a statistic that I, I, I can't believe the statistic. It, it's a statistic about Americans that shocks me. I don't know what to say. It's so shocking. But according to this article, some study, and maybe the study's a lie. Maybe it's not true. I don't know. But according to this article, Americans spend 11 hours a day average American 11 hours a day looking at a screen a screen meaning cell phone or computer or television or I guess even a movie screen that if you total all of the time they're looking at a screen during the day when they're awake 11 hours how is that even possible Oh my God, how depressing is that? That's shocking. It's so sad, so sad. Because I know that even when I spend too much time with work or something or just looking around on the internet, it makes me depressed and tired. But I have an antidote. Don't worry, we're not going to focus too much on the negative here. Let's focus on the positive side. I have the cure for this. And it goes back to my childhood, and that is the great outdoors. The, the sky, the sun, even the rain, the wind. The outdoors is the cure to that screen depression, the screen addiction to that evil propaganda screen. Get outdoors. If it's hot, sweat. If it's cold, Put on some more clothes. If it's rainy, take an umbrella, put on a rain jacket. Get outdoors into the real world, the natural world, even if you're in a city. I'm in a big city here, not many trees. It's a little depressing for me. But you know what? It's still better than being stuck indoors staring at some screen all day. I'd rather just walk around the city and look at people and look at the buildings and look inside the restaurants, look up at the sky, enjoy the air and the, the breeze, the wind. Get outdoors. This is one of the magic things I talked about with the Camino de Santiago, walking the Camino. I think my favorite part of the Camino, it was cool cultural experience absolutely all the other things I've talked about the Camino are fantastic and great however my number one favorite thing about the Camino was simply walking outdoors all day every single day for 32 days I spent my day walking outdoors that's what I did I woke up in the morning I put on my backpack went outside and walked 
then walked and walked under the sky. No screens. Just walking outdoors all day. Even eat, even our lunches, oftentimes, we'd be eating outdoors. We'd stop at a cafe and we'd sit out on the sidewalk at a little table in the cafe. Again, no screens. Right? We'd sit there and talk to people face-to-face, conversations with real people. Sipping a coffee, eating a sandwich. Finish lunch, get up, put on the backpack, and then walk more. And then again, repeat, dinner time. Sometimes dinner was indoors. Sometimes we did eat out at these little outdoor, many times in Spain. It's one of the things I love about Spain, all the little outdoor cafes and tables. But either way, again, not staring at a screen. No, we would eat and talk to each other, Joe and I. We talked to the other pilgrims, the other walkers, the other people. And the only time we looked at a screen or even used a phone was maybe a quick email home to loved ones or a quick Skype call. And uh, Skype call, we're not look, we, we would not be video, it would just be audio. Or maybe uh, we'd get the phone quickly and make a reservation for a place to stay the next day. But just like staring at a screen, uh, almost zero amount of time each day just for the very quickly if we had to check a map or something like that it was wonderful I was so much happier and I don't do 11 hours a day but still just that just being outdoors all day like that either outdoors walking under the sky or talking to people face to face in real life the way we are supposed to and that was my full day every single day it was wonderful that's what we need that's a real human life that's why I say to you when you listen to Effortless English this podcast or my lessons get outside and do it put on your headphones and go for a walk don't sit indoors this is the other reason, too, that I'm really moving away from video. Don't worry. Yes, I'll still do some videos. It's okay. I understand. I like doing some videos. But honestly, I don't want to do too many videos because I don't want you staring at your phone while you listen to me. I don't want you staring at the screen the whole time. I, I, I prefer, I'd rather you listen to me in your, in your ears and your headphones, but have your eyes looking around. I don't know, look at people, look at the trees, look at the sky, uh, especially go for a walk, ride your bike. Just sit outdoors. Go to a park. Ride the train. Any, I don't know, but get out there. Get out there. This is the other reason I'm really moving more and more and more towards audio, uh, focusing on audio, still doing some videos, but emphasizing, focusing on audio especially because I don't want to be part of this this screen addiction. I really don't. I, I really want to encourage you to get out there so you can listen to Everest English while you are walking around. Breathing <laughs> the air outdoors. 
<laughs> Even if it's polluted, it's better than being stuck inside looking at a screen all day. Get some sun on your skin. It's a great feeling. It's a great, great, great feeling. And there's so many ways you can do it. In the past, we've done different effortless English fitness challenges just for fun and really as an excuse, as a reason, as encouragement to get you outside while you listen to effortless English. A couple years ago when I was training for the Camino, we did one for walking and running when we were all comparing our miles. We would had like a little competition to see who would go the, do the most miles. As some people were walking, walking, walking a, a lot. Kaula in Turkey. Wow. She's a super walker. She's, she's a marathon level, super uh, ultra marathon level, really, walker. So we had runners, too. Some people prefer to running and jogging. That's great. Others, like, prefer biking. Hey, even a motorcycle. A motorcycle. I mentioned this a few, what, last week. One of the cool things about motorcycles is that you're, you're, you're less separated from the world, right? You're less cut off. It's one of the things that makes... It's part of the romance, the romance of the motorcycle. A car separates you from the world, right? You're, it's like you're in a little bubble, separated off from the world. But with a motorcycle, right, you're more exposed, which makes it a little more dangerous, to be honest. We all know. But it also... It, it makes it more enjoyable. It makes it, it makes you feel more alive when you're riding on a motorcycle compared to in a car. And the same is true for a bike. And the same is true for walking. Just get outdoors. Paul Bragg, one of the founders of the health food, the, the health movement in the United States, the teacher of Jack LaLanne, he called. He he had a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but he talked about healing and the the natural doctors. He called them the natural doctors, not the doctors you pay. The natural doctors. So, for example, Doctor Vegetables. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a little cheesy, but so he would say Doctor Vegetables, meaning vegetables are a doctor. They heal you. He was a big fan of juicing vegetable and fruit juices. But one of his favorite doctors was Dr. Sunshine, Dr. Air, Dr. Outdoors, Dr. Exercise. And basically what he's saying is that one of the best ways to heal yourself or just to feel great and alive is just to get outdoors and move. Get outdoors and move. We don't need all these technical scientific studies <laughs> about the 100% best, most efficient way to exercise and build muscle. You know, and none of that's important for most of us. Maybe for professional athletes. For us, you know what we need to do? Get outside and move. Get outside and move consistently every single day. Energize your body and mind. Get out and do it outside. Do it outside. This is why I am like the mad dogs and Englishmen. This is why I go for walks in the middle of the the day. I, it's probably foolish, but you know what? I, I don't want to. I get tired of sitting indoors. I go to a coffee shop. I do some work. I record this show, and then I'm like, I'm sick of being inside. So I'll walk in the hottest part of the day under the sun, sweating like crazy. I I think it feels good actually. It it there's something healthy about it natural 
the outdoors is kind of medicine, especially when you get outside and move. And it doesn't matter how you do it. Go for a swim. Some days you could swim. Some days you can bike. Some days you can walk. You can jog. You could do go to a playground, do, do pull-ups and push-ups. You can mix it up. It doesn't matter. Just do it every single day. You feel so much better. You know, there are stories, by the way, compared to the Camino, the, I mentioned also Shikoku, right? Shikoku is another pilgrimage, walking pilgrimage, but it's in Japan. Quite similar, a bit longer. I did that one too. In fact, my wife and I did that one first. Same idea, walking every single day. And there's so, 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 so many stories about people doing the Shikoku pilgrimage and healing themselves so they're sick they st- when they start the pilgrimage they're sick they have some serious sickness diabetes cancer you know maybe some form of heart disease or something else and they start walking and they don't even know if they're going to be able to finish they can't do the normal amount that everyone does. They can only do a short, short distances each day in the beginning, and they just but they do it right. It's a religious experience for them too. But some of them also are doing this, hoping that they think uh, like like it's a miracle, right? And maybe there is some spiritual part to that. But I'll tell you. A lot of it, too, is just the process by getting outdoors, by leaving their normal life behind and all the, the sit, sitting on their butts and looking at screens and probably eating badly. And they get out and suddenly they're walking every day, even if it's just slowly. And they're carrying a little backpack, too, which makes it even more difficult. And they're walking in the mountains and they're, they're, they're outdoors. And in the Shikoku pilgrimage, they're going to temples and praying and meditating. Of course it's healthier. And there's so, so, so many stories that seem like miracles where these people at the end, after 40 days or 60 days, however long they need to, to finish, they finish and they're cured. The cancer is gone. The heart disease is cleared up or gotten better. The diabetes is gone. And it's like, it's a miracle. It's like, well, yes, it, it's, it is a miracle. But it's also understandable because this is one of the most powerful healers is to get outdoors and move your body every day and imagine doing that all day long even in a very slow relaxed way like someone doing a pilgrimage and who's kind of sick and then you combine that with a focus on, with, a, with the spiritual and religious focus. So they're also, you're visiting churches or you're visiting temples. So your mind is focused on something very positive and spiritual at the same time. Yeah, that's powerful. And that's all you do your whole day. You're doing that all day long, every single day. And also, you're getting an incredible social, positive, positive social experience because you're meeting other people every single day who are doing the same pilgrimage. They're doing exactly what you're doing, walking for the same purpose, visiting these same temples and churches. And each day you talk to them face to face, not on social media, Not even on Skype, not even on the phone, face-to-face, you're talking with them, sharing your experiences there with these other wonderful, positive people. 
that's what a complete and total change from their normal lives. So I'm not surprised that they heal. So I'm not surprised by these amazing stories. There may be a religious part to it. I don't know. But I also know that just those three things are super, super, super powerful for mental healing and emotional healing and physical healing. The healing of diseases. We could look at this scientifically and see many reasons for this. We could look at it emotionally. We could look at it psychologically. We could look at it spiritually and have explanations for why this is so powerful. So healing. And so you can do this a little bit each day yourself. Maybe you can't do a full pilgrimage every day and walk all day long. That's okay, but you can get out and walk for an hour or two. You can do it while you listen to Effortless English. Boom. Two birds with one stone, we say in English. Very common idiom. Two birds with one stone. Two benefits with one activity. You listen to Effortless English and you walk or bike or whatever it is you prefer to do. It's like a super vitamin for your mind, body, and soul. So just do it. Get out there. As you listen to me, I hope you're doing it outdoors. I encourage you to do it outdoors. I know you can do it other places too. For sure, do it in the car. Do it at home. But every day, get out there. Get outside. Move your body. Smile and enjoy this life fully. All right, go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program today. Join at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Bye for now.